Hey, what's up? This is your host, Kat Jones. Today is March 8th, 2020. It is the 50th anniversary of the Snake Pit, and this is Queer All Year. What's up, my dogs? This is Kat, and I am joined as always by my bro, sound producer, and co host, Mick G. Je pense donc je suis. I don't know what that means. Oh, I'm a Frenchman. Okay. That's what that means. You sound like Pierre Escargot. <laughs> we already made a Pierre Escargot thing on this. I know. That's what I'm saying. You just. It, it still sounds like Pierre quote, Escargot. I don't think. No. Well, and I didn't like do the, <laughs> the laugh this time or whatever. <laughs> Please do not step on my duck. <laughs> or whatever. Okay. Oh my gosh. Wow. All that was all we that. Run, I'm running out of material already. <laughs> Remember when all that was good? And people remembered what all that was. I think we were just. Is that I think we were just sentimental about it. Uh, I mean, I I can still watch PRS Cargo and Vital Information. I still watch that one. Clip to that. Anyway, no one knows what we're talking about unless that's our demographic. Um, This is queer all year, and it's March eighth, and um, this is the fiftieth anniversary of the Snake Pit raid. So that's what we're going to be talking about today and then i'm gonna talk a little bit about british history again so yay um the raid on the snake pit bar occurred um about i think eight months after the stonewall raids and it is almost unknown i had heard about very you know raids before and raids after stonewall but i'd never heard this story exactly so this is a really important story, I think, and um, we don't acknowledge it the way we should. So around 5 a.m. in 1970, the NYPD raided the Snake Pit, which was an after-hours gay bar located in the basement of a Greenwich Village apartment building. Um, it was organized by Seymour Pine, who, yes, also organized the Stonewall Raid, and he was um, so afraid of having another Stonewall uprising that he had his men arrest all 167 patrons, staff, and the owners who were present at the bar. He just didn't want to have anyone left over to be able to talk about it or uh, protest or anything like that. Um, every, yeah, everyone was arrested, so there'd be no one to riot, you know, immediately. Um one man who was arrested and brought to the police station was um, 23- or 24-year-old Argentinian student Diego Vinales. Um, I'm not, we, aren't, we don't know his actual age, I think, because he didn't really come out in the press or anything afterward. I don't think we know where he is from what I can't, I didn't find anything in my research about where he is now. And I guess that's a little bit of a spoiler to tell you that he survived this issue that is about to happen. Um, In the police station, they were on the second floor, and the police had told um, the crowd of 167 people that they were too lazy to check IDs and that there wasn't going to be any bail that had to be posted. They were just going to be let out, I think. Um, Or maybe they were going to keep him. I just only found that they didn't have to post bail they did not have to post bail so i would think that means they were just allowed to leave 
Um, but Diego either didn't hear that or didn't understand it. Um, and he was in the U.S. on an expired student visa, so he was afraid he'd be deported since he'd been arrested. And so um, to avoid that, he jumped out of the station's second-story window and landed directly on a spiked fence, which impaled him six times including directly through his leg and abdomen. And um, most people, like the rumor spread that he was dead immediately. Uh, Paramedics were rushed to the scene, but one officer was heard telling a firefighter that there was no reason to rush because you don't have to hurry. He's dead, and if he's not, he's not going to live long. So basically an actual admission of the less dead, you know, no humans involved type thing. So he, yeah, that was the NYPD. NYPD, he was critically wounded, um, but he wasn't dead. He fell on the fence, though, in such a way that they couldn't just get him off of it. They had to bring in the fire department to actually cut off the fence around him, and he had to be brought to the hospital still with the fence in him essentially and that's why the rumor spread that there's no way he survived this he's dead and a march was um you know immediately um put together and it was like a death march i think they called it but then they found out that he survived there were just rumors going on all over the place so the flyers that they were handing out or just the handouts that you know they just hand wrote them what was that like even if he survived, you know, this is like a death march because people are being killed every day and this just happens to be super public and super horrific. Um, and the um, big thing about the big thing in the march that really um, became the center of the whole thing was no matter what actually happened, he was pushed. We are all being pushed. And so, I really like that whole psychologically, you know, like psychological violence. We are all being pushed. So that I think is a really important thing to remember. It's the 50th anniversary. Last year was the 50th anniversary of Stonewall. This is a really important raid to talk about because of the sheer numbers of how many people were arrested, the reasons they were arrested, the fact that it was organized by the same guy who organized the Stonewall riots, and the fact that it caused this person horrible injuries just because he was pushed to the psychological point where it was better to jump out a window than to be in the NYPD station and possibly deported. So I don't know what that says about um, Argentina. If that's like, I'd rather jump out a window than go back to Argentina, or if it's just, I really want to be in the U.S., so I would rather jump out a window and hopefully be in the U.S. Um, so there's a lot to say about that. That is the gist of the story. There are hopefully a lot of articles and things coming out about that today that are, um, able to have much more detail and hopefully maybe some interviews, better information than we can fit and present into this podcast. But I definitely wanted to bring it up and give the information because it is such a um, little known story in 
no reason whatsoever. Um, so, that having been said, um, let's go into a little segment with McGee. Yo, yo! Today I want to talk about one of my favorite songs, Purple Haze by Jimi Hendrix. This is a showcase of all of Jimi's techniques, like the Hendrix chord, his luscious octave pedal, and mind-crushing fuzz. I still remember that where I was the first time I listened to Purple Haze. I was in the park by my house, and I was on a jog, and I heard those chords, and I knew that that's what I wanted to do. So within a week, I was signed up for guitar lessons and hooked on Jimi Hendrix. Um, there are several stories behind the story or the song Purple Haze, leading some people to think that Jimmy was making it up on the spot. He would just tell different stories. Um, but the one I like to go with um, is um, the Purple Haze Jesus Saves idea. So uh, when I went to the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame in Cleveland, they have on display there the original yellow legal paper that Purple Haze was written on and sure enough it says on there Purple Haze Jesus saves and the story there is that he was swimming in the ocean and he got caught up in this like Purple Haze or seaweed and stuff and Jesus came in and saved him which is uh you know pretty trippy sounds like the kind of thing Jimi Hendrix would dream about um but anyway, it, it doesn't matter too much, but I do love the mystery of it, the uh, not really knowing anything. It just adds to the mystique of Jimi Hendrix. Uh, he's amazing. I'm McGee, and this is a little segment. Alright, thank you for that. And now we are going to go into a, like another little segment of Cat Knows Way Too Much about British history, especially when it comes to monarchs. Um, on this day in history, Queen Anne became Queen Anne of England, Scotland, and Ireland. And sh- her story is a little possibly convoluted, as are all stories in history. Um, but so she may or may not have been a lesbian or bisexual or something like that this is a story of her friendships and possible relationships and then kind of it's up to everyone's interpretation this is the story um as i know it and then as i've done research you know so i'm kind of trying to present it from all sides um apparently there was a movie made about this story called The Favorite, um, which I thought I hadn't heard of until I started doing a little background on this. Um, And so I went out to HBO and found it there, and I realized I have seen it. So that's about how memorable that movie was, even though I think it won, like, a bunch of awards and stuff. But I, um, nope, I don't remember it. I kept watching it, and I was like, yeah, I've seen this, I guess. Um, But I don't know. So she became the Queen of England, Scotland, and Ireland in 1702. In 1707, she became the first Queen of Great Britain um, when England and Scotland merged under the Acts of Union. Um, And so then her title after that was Queen of Great Britain and Ireland. 
Um, she met her best friend, Sarah Jennings, who later became Sarah Churchill, Sarah Churchill Duchess of Marlborough, uh, in 1601 before she became queen. And Sarah, um, stuck by her through a, three different monarchies and all sorts of political, you know, unrest and type, that kind of stuff. And so she just adored her, um, her entire life. Well, most of her life. Um, they had a really deep friendship um, and really liked how Sarah was always really blunt with her opinions. And she, like, didn't care about... Well, she cared about politics, but she didn't, like, kowtow... Is that a bad word? She didn't give in, I guess, to the um, the idea of rank, kind of. So, you know, just if someone was, you know, of a higher rank than she was, she didn't really care. Um, partially because she was, you know, best friends with the queen, but then partially because she just didn't care. You know, that wasn't her, her way. Um, and that made her really loyal to Anne through thick and thin, which, you know, really endeared her to Anne and made her her favorite because she knew that she was going to be loyal. Um, she, um, was arguably the most powerful woman in the country. Uh, a lot, everything says the most powerful woman, you know, other than the queen, but she had power over the queen like crazy. So I think she was the most powerful woman in the country. Um, she, um, was made, the mistress of the robes, which is the highest office that a woman could hold. But then she also um, made history as the only female ranger of Windsor Great Park. And then she was one of only two women to ever be groom of the either stool or stole. I have seen both in many places. Um, even on Wikipedia, uh, Queen Anne's Wikipedia page says stole. And uh, Sarah's Wikipedia page says stool. So, I and, yep, I've found all sorts of resources to back up either one of those. So, if you want it to be the, the poop or the thing you wear around your shoulders, you get to decide. She was also in charge of um, the privy purse. She was the keeper of the privy purse, which means she uh, controlled the finances. So, she basically was her owner, kind of, business manager, um, you know, just had power over everything she did she was um so powerful that she initially turned down queen anne's plans to make her husband sarah's husband a duke so S S queen anne wanted to make sarah's husband a duke but sarah was the one who turned her down initially uh and then queen anne was like well but i'll give you a whole bunch of money for the rest of your life and uh sarah was like okay cool so then her husband, John Churchill, became the first Duke of Marlborough, and she became the Duchess of Marlborough. Marlborough? Marlborough? I, we don't have any British listeners. Um, but um, after having been made Duchess, Sarah um, was given a, you know, a large pension and um, the a castle, well, no, a palace, I believe, and it was she was doing um, renovations on it, so she chose to be away from court a lot, and their friendship continued through letters, even though she was away, and her influence um, continued, even though she was away, but Anne kind of started being able to think for herself, and um, kind of 
form her own opinions and realize what she needed in life. And she realized that what she needed was um, affection in um, a deep friendship. And she didn't get that from Sarah because Sarah um, was really hard in her opinions and they were different um, political ideals. Um, Sarah was in favor of the Whigs and Anne preferred the Tories and uh, Sarah was not afraid to express her political opinions. So they kind of started to clash heads at that. Um, while And so while she was gone, um, Anne started hanging out with Sarah's cousin, Abigail, and um, like she definitely started to become the favorite and Sarah was not cool with that. And so she um, just like berated her a lot and was rude to her and all, a, all that kind of stuff that used to give her control over Anne. But Anne was starting to realize that she didn't want to be controlled. And um, the relationship finally ended for good when Sarah publicly told the queen to be quiet before a ceremony that was supposed to celebrate a victorious battle. So like in public told her to be quiet. So that's not what you do to a monarch ever. Um, and um, she was banished from court. Um, she came back to court one day with a poem that had been written possibly by a Whig supporter um, that essentially um, accused Queen Anne of um, having a lesbian relationship with Abigail, Sarah's cousin. And Sarah, you know, stormed into court with it and was waving around and she was writing letters to Anne saying that she'd like ruined her credibility and, and reputation with everyone because everyone knew that she was like having sexual relationships with women. Um, she started to spread rumors that Anne had, quote, a great passion for such a woman, strange and unaccountable. Um, so the passion is strange and un unaccountable, not the woman, is the way I read that. Um, so she was officially and permanently dismissed from court after that. And um, she definitely started rumors, quite a few rumors, that she, that um, Anne was having a sexual relationship with Abigail and that she preferred women to men. Um, and those rumors um, persisted quite a bit. Not to the point where they're very prominent in any, like, research, unless you really specifically, like, Google Queen Anne and Sarah Churchill lesbians, that kind of thing. Um, most of their biographers at this time believe that it was just a very close friendship and that the rumors she spread afterward, just spiteful rumors, um, have clouded the um, actual facts. Um, you can find a lot of other people who will say that, like, no, they actually were romantically linked. Um, so when you, when you say that opinions differ, the word differ in that situation means uh, fight viciously and constantly because it is a very, very heated fight out there. There's, like, a whole Wikipedia, or no, a whole Google page of just screaming at each other on like reddit and stuff like that um so this is another example of history being unable to differentiate between deep female friendships and lesbian relationships um and 
because of the rumors, if you read their letters and try to determine, I mean, they can be interpreted any way the reader wishes. So that's, um, that's Queen Anne. Um, I spent so much time, like, writing up bullet points and stuff, and I'm like, I don't, you don't need to know all of this stuff. I don't know why I know all of this stuff. Um, so that, that is my part of the episode for today. Um, you got anything, McGee? Well, um, we've got a bit of housekeeping that we need to do. Ah, uh, housekeeping. Yep. Uh, so uh, check us out on Facebook, Queer All Year, or you can go to the newly named Queer All Year Mafia. Yep, that's our Facebook group. I changed the name and I made a cool logo. Hopefully it's cool. Yeah, so if you want to join the Mafia, send in a request. We'll, we'll consider your application. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> blood in, blood out. Anyway. Yeah, you can only leave in a box. A very pretty blo- box full of glitter and and a, <laughs> a note saying we love you. Indeed. Uh, so on Instagram and Twitter, we are Queer All Year Pod. Um, Patreon is... Uh, patreon.com slash queer all year yep and that's where you'll get all the bonus stuff uh premium material of queer all year way too much british history yeah um (laughs) you could skip those but the well i wouldn't they're actually really um they're great they're they're, um very entertaining okay well that's good anyway (laughs) but there's uh bloopers on our one dollar tier and some videos of kind of behind the scenes here that stuff is really fun stickers someday hopefully yeah all for only a dollar and after that i think is that all we have oh subscribe that's the big one subscribe and rate please that is how people find us and how we get the word out um if you could recommend us to a friend too that would be awesome um yeah yeah tell your congressman write your congressman about us (laughs) Write to your representatives and say that you want Queer All Year on all radio stations all the time. I don't know. <laughs> Call your congressman and just be like, hey, do better things for the queers, basically. Introduce yourself as from the Queer All Year, or the mm-hmm. Queer Mafia. Yeah. And then... Yeah, maybe, don't, don't introduce yeah, yourself as from Queer All Year, because that's yeah, us. Yeah, we want to hide that for a little while. Well, before... no, I'm just saying you don't... I no, You're not allowed to take credit for all the research i do oh i just <laughs> meant for the um what are we hiding from like a terrorist act or something like that oh uh, what <laughs> like on the facebook i don't okay yeah i don't <laughs> that's why we approve applications so we can <laughs> <Yes>. like <laughs> sorry y'all we vet you just <laughs> just so you know um yeah so is that all the housekeeping that's gotta be it okay Well, um, thank you for listening today. We hope you have a good March 8th. We hope you take a little time to remember the snake pit um, debacle. And as always, remember that we love you. 